you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open it up. We're going to be in a couple different places. Um, you can start in, in Matthew chapter 28. This morning we've heard a lot about future plans. Uh, we've talked about the practicality of construction. We've talked about some audacious goals. And, and then over the next six weeks, as, as Mike mentioned, we are going to be studying the scriptures. Uh, we are going to see what they have to say about trusting God and God's provision and, and generosity and sacrifice and our treasure and, and all that we have, all these sorts of things we're going to look at. Uh, but this morning, I want to, want to follow these guys up, uh, Mike and Warren and, and Gary as well, and kind of go a slightly different direction, I think. Uh, that really is the foundation about uh, everything else that we have talked about this morning. I'm pretty sure I've told this story before, but it's, it's almost two years ago, not quite, I guess, two years in May that, that uh, Naomi and I and our kids came out to, to candidate to interview for the position of lead pastor here. And, and we had met uh, a couple of times with some of the elders, I had at least, and we've had some Skype interviews and we've had some phone conversations and there were some long email conversations and, and it was great. Uh, and uh, then this weekend on the Saturday, uh, the elders took me out for lunch. It was the first time that, that I'd met a couple of them, I think, at least in person. Uh, and we got to spend a couple of hours over pizza at Petrino's, uh, just hearing what God was up to. And they got to ask me questions and lots of questions. And over the course of the meal, uh, like I said, I think I've shared this before, but one of the questions Mike asked was, hey, how do you feel about stepping into probably a building campaign in the not too distant future? And as I look back, there's some moments where it's just like, maturity beyond my year. Like, I don't know what, how I came up with what I said. I was obviously God, I think, speaking in and through me. And one of the, the big things I said was, was, why are we building? What's the point? Uh, because if we're, if we're building a building just for the building's sake, then you know what? I'm not really interested in stepping into leading that. And I stand by that, that comment today. And I've seen and heard, and, and maybe you have too, of churches that, that had these building projects and they got really excited about the project. And people worked hard, they put all kinds of work in and they, they, they sacrificed and they gave for the building. And, and it was all about the building. And then the building was done, construction was done, they moved in and they were like, oh, well now what? We've lost, we've, we've, we finished it, we finished the mission. And what they had was they had a great building, but they had burned out leaders, they had a burned out pastor, uh, my father-in-law, who uh, is sometimes blunt, said, oh, so many building campaigns, the lead pastor resigns as soon as it's done. I was like, well, thanks. We've kind of just settled in here, Dad. But the problem is that some of these, these projects, if, if, the, if the building becomes the mission, it burns everybody out. And that's a problem. But I said to Mike, listen, if, if the effort and work and sacrifice for the building gets us a tool for the mission, something that makes us, us more effective in reaching people for Jesus and proclaiming his living hope, that he is our living hope, well, then I'm in. That I can stand behind. And I would say that again today. And so this project, as, as much as we would have liked to have the, the water slide, but Chris really took that off the table early. I don't know, that was the hardest part of the process for me. This project isn't about building ourselves a shrine or, or a monument to ourselves, but rather, right from the beginning, the question we asked around all the tables was, how can we best build the kingdom here? How can we best use this piece of land and whatever we might be able to put on it to show the Bow Valley that God loves them? And how can we reshape people's negative assumptions about faith and Christianity and God and church by serving the town, 
And how will, how will our building be a tool to that? And so this morning, I want to talk about mission, the whole point of all of this. And so if you have your Bible, the text is on the screen there, Matthew 26. I'm going to read uh, verse 16 through to 20. This is after the resurrection. Jesus has gone on trial. He's been crucified. He's been put in the grave. Uh, They found the grave empty. And we pick it up in verse 16. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him raised from the dead, standing in front of them, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Now that, if this is a whole other sermon, but that gives me great hope. Because my faith waxes and wanes and it builds and sometimes I question too. And these guys were standing in the presence of the resurrected Jesus. And they're still like, I don't know about this. Some of them doubted. Thank you, Matthew, for writing that in for us. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or all peoples or all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples, these new followers, to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The risen Jesus in this moment came and met with his disciples, the 11 disciples we're told here at least. And he says to them, basically, listen, you've seen it all. You've tracked with me for the last three or so years. You saw me heal the sick. You saw me raise the dead. You saw me feed the hungry. You saw me calm the storm. You saw me love the unlovable. You saw me correct the religious. You saw me teach you how to pray. You saw me, and thus you saw the heart of God the Father. You've seen everything, and now you're standing in front of me, raised from the dead. In my resurrected body, having conquered death. And he says, everything you've seen me do and say and teach and lead and how I've guided you shows you that, that I am God and I have authority over everything in creation. Everything you can see and everything around what you can see. He says, you've seen me bring restoration to all these relationships between people and God and people and each other and even people and creation he says, and now it's your turn. So go and do the same thing. Tell everyone about me. Show people how much God loves them. Teach them about repentance. Teach them about love and mercy and grace and generosity and everything that you've learned from me. And that same commission that Jesus gave in these verses falls on us today as well. That same call, is, as Jesus said in, in Mark's gospel, to, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That same call to, to think of something greater than ourselves, to be a part of something greater than ourselves and follow Jesus. To follow the one with all authority in heaven on earth. The one who conquered evil, the one who conquered death itself. That same call to follow him is for us as well. The second text I want to take us to is in Luke chapter 4. And so if we're uh, looking at this, this commission where Jesus says, go and do what I've taught you to do, it's probably helpful for us to go and look at the ministry of Jesus and, and what he taught and how he did it. And I've, I've alluded to some of those things already. But I think uh, Luke 4, and it, this is the passage we opened our service with as well, is, is a good place maybe to find a, a bit of a summary, even though it was at the beginning of his message. 
And I love how, as I mentioned before, Jesus, is, he's starting his, his ministry. He's about to step into the public eye and he's in a church service and he's asked to read from one of the scrolls, which is really common. It was really common that day that if a, a visiting rabbi or teacher would come through, they'd ask them to read a text for them. And so he casually, I love this, he casually finds a spot, in the, not in a book, in a scroll. He unrolls the scroll and he finds this piece from Isaiah where in the New Living Translation we read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so he rolls it up and he says, this prophecy, you've been waiting for it for 600 years since Isaiah wrote it, has been fulfilled today, Jesus says. This is what Jesus came to do. And this is what Jesus empowers us to do as well as his followers. To to bring good news. To proclaim freedom to the captives. Sight to the blind. Freedom to the oppressed. And to, to proclaim and declare that the Lord's favor has come. And we watch Jesus do this both in the physical realm. He, he literally gave sight to the blind, but also to the spiritual realm. There's a handful of different verses where he says, you know what, I talk in parables so that you, unless you dig in, you won't understand. But if you come to me, you'll have understanding. And he calls us to do the same thing, both in the physical realm and the spiritual realm, to bring good news, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim sight, to proclaim freedom again, and that the Lord's favor has come. As elders, we've been working some time, uh, I don't know, it's been a, a good year now on trying to, to clarify our mission and vision and values at Trinity so that we can unite around common language and have a, a common understanding of, of where we're going. And thus, when we launch a capital campaign, we can say, okay, this building will help us do this because this is what we're trying to do. And so we've said this as our, our kind of mission statement that we exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We as a church long to see people transformed by the gospel. We believe that it's only in the person and work of Jesus that we can find true and lasting meaning and value and identity and worth and purpose. And so our reason for existence is to create spaces for that transformation to take place. Whether that's in a Sunday morning, whether that's in, in other spaces, but, but that's, that's why we exist as a body of Christ, as a part of the church. We want to see people. And when we say people, we say every single person from womb to grave is created in the image of God. And they're important because of that. We want to see people transformed. We want to see them brought from death to life, from darkness to light, from, from blindness to sight, from hopelessness to hope, from oppression to freedom. We want to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus, people who recognize that Jesus is everything, and everything we have comes from him. And the reason we were created was to be with him. We recognize, too, that every single person is a fully devoted follower of something or someone. Including themselves is an option sometimes. Including the, the allure of a secular society and the, 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 the high goal of the fully autonomous self, which does not exist, actually. 
but we believe that everything else will let you down in the end. And true meaning, true abundance, true blessing, true fulfillment in life comes from knowing Jesus. So we exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And the, the beautiful thing is we're a part of something so much bigger than just ourselves. The, the church gathered, when we gather together, we're, we're gathered into something, not just ourselves. We're a part of something. We're not just meeting here on Sunday morning so that then we can go on with our weeks. But we are, are part of the mission Jesus has given his church, not just here, but everywhere. Which is to reach people and draw people into a closer relationship with himself. Uh, Look at Paul as an example. There's lots of examples we could go to from here. But in Galatians 1, verse 15 and 16, he writes this. "Even, Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that, here's his mission, I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. We can say, great, that's good for you, Paul. But that same call is on every one of our lives as we follow Jesus, that God revealed his son to us so that we could proclaim the good news about Jesus to those who don't yet know him. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of of, of us here to to reach people, to preach and proclaim that Jesus is, as he says in, in the book of John, the way and the truth and the life. And so maybe we need to be reminded, maybe especially in light of all the talk about building and campaign and property and pledges and renovations and all these things, which are all very important, by the way. Maybe we need to shift our thinking just a little bit. Church is not 1717 Bow Valley Trail. That's this piece of land right here. Church is neither 1717 Bow Valley Trail, nor is it 117 Bow Meadows Crescent where Crossway gathers. Nor is it 617 8th Street where the United Church meets, or 709 7th Street where the Anglican Church meets, or that beautiful new 1350 Palliser Trail. We are the church. The people are the church, convicted by the Holy Spirit, rescued by Jesus' work on the cross, submitted to God's leadership over our lives. We are the church. And as we follow Jesus as his church, we are that thing. We are the church. A church, by the way, that Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against. We're a part of a winning mission, too. And so when we think about this project, we have to think about it uh, as so much more than just the building. Think about it as more than just a place to gather on Sunday for, for 65 or 75 minutes or so and then go on with our weeks. Instead of thinking about church or even church gathered, we need to be thinking mission. Why are we here? To see people fully devoted, uh, transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus. It's really easy, and we need to be careful that we don't inadvertently think that, that Trinity Bible Church is where we meet on the weekend. But instead, we keep fervently praying that Trinity Bible Church would be a place where lives are transformed. Where people are brought, again, from the kingdom of darkness, being far from God, into the kingdom of light and being in relationship with God. Because we don't exist to serve coffee, to sing a few songs, to hear from the Bible, and to gather with our friends. We exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what every single one of us is called to. So, quickly, 
How will we see people transformed? We'll point them to Jesus. Uh, how, will, how will we be transformed? Because let's, let's throw this out the right way. None of us are there yet. This is a journey. This transformation journey is a long one that we will not be completed with until we got to go be with Jesus. So how will we continually be transformed? By constantly turning around and looking at Jesus. By being together. By admitting our need for him. How will we see people transformed? We want to see people's lives transformed as they learn to pray. February 5th, we're hosting a, a, a women's prayer simulcast. Have a look at that in the bulletin. We want to see people's, trans, people's lives transformed as they gather into groups during the week. And there are, are a couple already happening and there's more coming soon. We want to see uh, people's lives transformed we want by having their marriages transformed. And you can pencil this in May 1st and 2nd. We're hoping to, to host a, a marriage seminar, a marriage conference on the Friday evening and Saturday. And, I mean, uh, f- forget the, the church part of it, which is, of course, very important. But, man, marriages and families, that's, that's a huge sore spot in the valley. There are so many broken families in the valley. This week I was, uh, I've heard that in, in one class, five sets of parents are getting divorced. Uh, I was with my daughter one place and, and I heard a conversation between uh, two moms and I said, well, my, my daughter came and we were talking and I had to say to her, you know what, daddy's going to have to find himself a new wife. It's like, man, our, our families are falling apart. And, and, and the Bible talks about marriage as this beautiful image that points us to Jesus. So we don't want to think about church. We want to think about mission. And every one of us has a role to play in this mission. This isn't just something that a few of us do and the rest of us watch. This isn't something that, that I do because I'm the paid staff and you pay my salary, so now you don't have a responsibility for yourself. Every single one of us plays a unique part in this. You've maybe heard the analogy, I think I've used it before, that, that church life following Jesus is, is more like a battleship than a cruise ship. I don't know if you've heard that. You go on a cruise ship, what do you do? You, you go, you rest. right? You get, you get all lathered up and you sit in the sun and people just do everything for you. My mom's taken up cruising in the last little bit, so I feel like I can make fun of it a little bit, right? They, they play card games, they go to shows, they eat, they travel. It's amazing, and she loves it. And that's, that's great. But that's not church. Church is like a battleship. A battleship doesn't go anywhere if someone doesn't do their job. Everybody on that boat has something to do. And similarly, in the church, everybody has something to do. Not everyone's the captain. Not everyone gets to fly the planes. Not everyone gets to work the giant guns and make a lot of noise. But everybody's got something to do. Which again makes it so beautiful. There are things that that you are uniquely gifted to do that I'm just not. And vice versa. And so we need each other. So let me wrap up with this and then we'll pray and Arnie will lead us in a couple more songs. This Seeking God's Direction Capital Campaign is about exactly that, seeking his direction. It's about getting on board with where he's leading us, getting on board with his mission, not thinking church, thinking mission. It's about looking at this beautiful town that we live in and the beautiful people that live here or travel through here or stop here and longing to have more and more people come to know Jesus. Let me pray. God, thank you again for this time.
Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for uh, the history of Trinity Bible Church that's brought us to here. Thank you for the history of your church uh, in the valley. I thank you for the other churches that are, that are gathering this morning and making your name great. And we, we pray for them. We pray that they too would draw more people to you. God, I pray that you would help us see uh, this not as church, but as mission. Remind us that you have called us to something and, and give us that, that honor. Thank you for that honor that you have called us into this. This isn't something you couldn't have just done by yourself, but rather you need us, but rather you want us to be a part of your mission. What a, what a privilege. So God, I, I pray that you would start speaking to us right now and into the rest of our day and week of, of, of what you need from us, what you want from us. Point us to Jesus as our living hope. Show us in our lives the things that, that, that we need to alter and, and, and maybe get rid of so that we can focus more on you. Uh, teach us to trust in you. The areas where we doubt, just like those disciples did, help us to learn to trust and see you. Jesus, again, we thank you that you came and the Spirit was upon you and anointed you to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim the captives released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Thank you, Jesus, all for all the things that you're doing in and through us. And in your name we pray. Amen.